Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another Spartan 160EN podcast. This is podcast number 69. Sorry, I'm, I'm going really slow because I'm just trying to confirm we're on. And we're on. We're live, baby. Anyways, let's get straight to the panel. Uh, starting off with my good friend, Steph. Steph, how you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Show 69, that's a special number for all of us. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, <laughs> just just to clear it uh, with uh, with uh, with Danny, his jersey is from Portugal. This is still a sporting uh, podcast. So I just I decided to go for a more that. colorful look today. You know, a bit more neutral. No football's been around for a few months. It's supposed to be the Euros sooner or later, but unfortunately, obviously, it's not. So you know. Thought I'd throw a, a Portugal jersey out there today, you know, rep rep the motherland. <laughs> Why not? And I agree with you. So, but I'm doing well. I mean, the family's doing well with the COVID nineteen. So everyone is everyone is doing well in in the house. So uh, that's it. Chris, how you doing, Chris? Good. Uh, in my uh, improvised podcast studio right now, uh, doing all right. And uh, excited to to get on with you guys and talk about some actual sport that's about to happen, which is pretty wild. Exactly. And let's just jump right into it. So starting June 3rd, a few days away, uh, the Portuguese League will come back. Um, crazy how fast it's moved already. Um, but hey, it's here. Uh, that the, the first or the first jornada, it's really jornada 25. We'll have on the third, on the on the Thursday, or on the Wednesday, I should say, we all have Portimonense, Gil Vicente, and Familicão Porto. Um, then after that, we'll have on the on the Thursday, on the fourth, we'll have Maritimo Stubal, Benfica Tondela, and then Guimarães Sporting, which we'll get right into after. Um, uh, finishing off the jornada, we'd have Santa Clara, Braga, Aves, Belenenses, Aves were fighting for survival, Boa Vista, Mureirense on the Saturday, and on the Sunday, Rio Ave, Passos Freira. Um, I guess we're they're they're not doing the neutral stadiums in terms of having three or four stadiums around, correct? Or or am I misinformed on that? No, there there's about I think twelve that are approved. So not all of them, but a lot of them are. Guimarães, for example, is one of them. So we're playing okay. at Stade Alphonse Enrique. So I the the I think it's a total of thirteen. So I think thirteen. Okay. Of, yeah. So they're okay. waiting on uh, a couple of teams got fucked, but. So, yeah, so the mainly the island clubs. I know those. I know the the Really? Yeah. They made oh. a big fuss about it. So that's why. Yeah. So, that one's the craziest, if you ask me. But yeah, Maritimo is out. It's crazy that they're instead of you know bus rides within the the club, you know within the own team, it's uh, they're doing play rides. Wow, that's crazy. But anyways, let's stuff. I'll start off with the same question as last uh, podcast, but maybe uh, some feelings have changed. Um, do you agree with the league coming back? Uh, do you think it's too uh, no, I don't. I, I don't agree with the league, league coming back. We should have done like the the French and also uh, in Mexico. Uh, in Mexico, no one was champion, and whoever finished first, they qualified for the for the. Um, championship for the Champions League of the CONCACAF and we should have done the same way in Portugal but you know it's it's about to we're going to start on the third and uh, 
uh, let's stop with the negativity. It is what it is, and let's embrace it. So I'm embracing it, and I'm not gonna sound like uh, an old guitar talking about the same shit, you know, all the time. So now, um, since it's gonna start, it's it's a reality. It's 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 really gonna be on the third, the first games, just like you mentioned. Uh, I'm excited now. Now I'm excited. It, sh it shouldn't have started, but it will. So let's move on. Let's embrace it. And uh, let's watch some uh, Portuguese uh, foodie, uh, which uh, I miss it tremendously. Uh, I ain't going to be a hypocrite. Uh, and uh, and I'm excited for the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. It's, apparently, it's going to be day games every day, which is exciting for me because uh, I'll, I'll use my cell phone when I'm when I'm at work, and I'll watch the games on TV when I'm at home. So, and that, that's all I got to say. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. Um, and going back, like, I, I'm still on it as well. Like, I don't think the league should come back, but I'm, I'm a full-on hypocrite. I don't think any football should be back. And, you know, when, when German football came back, I was all over that. I was waking up early, making sure every, making sure I had my eggs and bacon and a beer ready to watch. And it's going to be the same with, with, with the Portuguese league. I don't agree it'll come back, but I'm definitely going to be a hypocrite. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reason why it's coming back. They know they can at least make some money off TV rights because us, us fanatics, us fans, will, uh, will definitely tune in. Um, I mean, this, this, is, this is why, this is why we, we uh, do the podcast anyway. Fast, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what exactly. I mean? Today, <laughs> today I was watching Dortmund against Bayern Munich. Uh, awesome game. Uh, because I missed it so much. I, I don't really follow the German league. I might follow, you know, who's in first place and so on, but I don't really spend that much time watching games. But those games I usually do, like Dortmund, Bayern Munich, classics like that, of course. Uh, so I can wait for the Portuguese league to restart. Since it's going to restart, it's exciting now. I'm with you. Chris, do you think we're rushing into it, though? Do you think maybe a few weeks of more preseason training, if you will, is, is necessary for us to sort of get the uh, blood rushing back to our veins, at least the players. Yeah, it seems like someone's eventually going to get hurt, like, at first. That's what happened in Germany. Um, Gio Reyna got hurt in warm-ups and got scrapped from the lineup in Dortmund's first game. So, I mean, they had one training game this week. Maybe they'll have another one in the next couple days. Uh, before the game on Thursday, but yeah, I mean they they sat around for almost three months and then they ramped it up for like two weeks. <laughs> I don't I don't think that that's gonna be conducive to some, the most positive results all around. So it, it's it's basically crazy crazy soccer right now because we have the element of you don't know if a player on your team tests positive. It's going to be like an injury. It's like, oh, you know, uh, for like Sparar. Oh, I mean, he tested positive. He's got. He's going to be out for for at least two weeks. You know, until he's good. So we got to adjust. Uh, we got to find someone to fill the spot. We got to um, have a deeper bench. We have five subs now. Um, you have to navigate the injuries as well because it's inevitable. Like someone's going to get hurt. Um, who's got the most fragile muscles? I mean, Jovan. Rostovsky both always seem to somehow have like hamstring injuries. So hope that they don't go down like immediately because we don't have the deepest team, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like just the crazy dynamics and the benefits of home and away games isn't as 
important, I guess, with, with no fans to, to give you like that extra boost with playing at home provides you. So it's just like, and also like a little bit of randomness, like Schalke wasn't that bad prior to this break. I mean, they were just like average. They came back and they, what, they lost four and five, four nothing. nothing. And they're yeah. just horrible, both horrible, horrible, both their games. So it's just like, if you come back and you're not hot, you can just tank real quick. But if you come back and you're hot, I mean, pretty much anything could change. You can move from eighth to up to fourth or fifth, you know? Um, we're only six points ahead or four points, right, ahead of Game of Age. Yeah. Uh, let me double check that, but I believe it's four. Yeah, it's four. It's like they beat us. Like they're right there on us immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like if we go into a slump, like mm-hmm. I think we got, we got 42 to got 38. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Three, four. Five, uh, five, yeah, five on ahead uh, of game range, four on on Riwab. Yeah, okay. and we're four behind Braga. So I mean that that the the race between third and seventh can finish in any order. It's currently Braga, yeah. Sporting, Riwab, Gimenez, Famalicão, but yeah. any of those six teams or five teams can finish in any order, and three of them are going to be out of Europe, and two of them are going to be in. So you want to be, you want to be, you know, you want, or half of them are going to be in and half of them aren't um, three, four, five, because the cup winner is going to be a team that's already qualified. So it'll be three, four, five. So two of those teams are going to be unlucky. I uh, hope it's not us. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, so, well, well, let me, I was, I was planning on doing the uh, recent form, recent form of Guimarães. Um, of course, I mean, games will – we haven't have a, had a game in two months. By the time they play, it'll almost hit the three-month mark. But Gimenez was hitting their stride. They had just beat uh, – their last three games, they beat uh, Avs 2-0. They beat Tondela 2-0. They beat Paso Ferreira 2-1. Um, so clearly a team that'll, that has a goal in them or has at least two goals in them. The game just before that, they lost 2-1 to Porto. Still had to put up a good fight. But again, we're talking February. Uh, Steph, how much do you think that those games come into mind? Um, and more importantly, how tough of a battle do you see uh, Guimarães being? Um, again, Ruben uh, Murin coming from Braga. Uh, there's obviously those that rivalry there. Braga, I do believe, beat Guimarães every time Ruben at least faced them. So maybe they're trying to get a one-up on Ruben again. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts and, and what are your main thoughts on Guimarães? I think one of the main factors that uh, benefits Guimarães is their fans, because uh, the uh, the stadium itself, um, their fans are really close to the pitch. The way it was built, you can feel the the, the fans supporting the team, and without that, I think we we will benefit from it. Actually, um, Sporting, I think, was. The, the one of the first teams to initiate the so-called preseason, besides Nacional, I think Nacional was actually the first one. Uh, so we should, in theory, have a little bit more rhythm. Uh, but they all professional players. Um, so also having a new coach like Ruben Emuring, uh, you know, uh, I really think that the sporting players they want to show what they worked to the new coach. So, so they can be part of it for the next season, being 2020-2021. From what I, from the the feedback I'm getting from uh, Recordable and New Jog and Sporting newspaper, 
I mean, and and uh, the news, and that's all we got really to to go by. Even if we don't like those uh, those newspapers, uh, we very limited. Uh, how can we know what's going on at Sporting if we don't read those websites, those newspapers online? There's nothing else to to measure how everything is going uh, at Sporting. Of course, you can you can watch Sporting TV, but they only talk about that for a little bit. But from what I understand, Ruben Emerin is. Um, He's very liked among the players, and he, he created some uh, some great methods of uh, working methods at, at practice. Uh, so it looks like everything is is uh, going well. And of course, now let's put it to practice. Let's see how it goes when uh, we play against Guimarães on the fourth of June. Um, it should be an exciting game. Uh, but let's not forget, it's going to be played on a empty stadium. Uh, which I think will benefit Sporting in a way because we're playing away in Guimarães, no Minho, uh, without their fans. So it's just like playing out at, at Alcuset because there's no fans. So we, we're not going to feel that pressure from the fans, which sometimes, you know, we do feel it. So we should be able to go to Guimarães, and I think we've done well at Guimarães. Uh, we, I think we've won the last couple of games at Guimarães, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I could pull it up really fast when Chris goes online and he speaks, and I'll pull it up. But I, I have a good feeling about this game. I think we will win. I got you here. I, the, we beat them at home 3-1 the uh, for the league, at least the last time we faced them. Uh, but that was back in... Okay, there it is. I was back in what September? What did it say here? Oh, October, mid October. So, um, unless October we played 19. them, mm -hmm. unless we played them afterwards, yeah, exactly. Two thousand, yeah. I think, but that I see, we didn't play them afterwards for like the past or anything. I think we lost. Yeah, we I might think have we lost won the last two games, and we lost it uh, like three. Yeah, yeah, we lost mm -hmm. like three years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because I I just saw it recently. Uh, yeah, so. We we should be able to to go to Game and pull up pull off uh, you know but the, the thing is like Chris said it depends a lot on the rhythm of the players and the chemistry of the team you could be yeah. you could be you know Pasfredes you could be uh, Santa Clara and now this break benefits you because now you have fresh legs players they were hurt they're good to go now so Sporting looks great the only injured players we have is Philippe uh, Luis you René. Yeah, if I'm not exactly. mistaken, that's the only two injured players we have. Everyone else is good to go. We got rid of uh, Gizet, or DJ, Ubalazzi. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say is Balassi, So I know that there was um, that report that Balassi was as good as gone, but I mean the season isn't done yet. So I'm assuming, and and Hesse as well. He I'm is. Assuming we, I'm pretty sure we still hold home. on to him. They're right? not. They're, they're not in Portugal. Mm. I haven't at least seen any pictures of either of them at the training ground, to be fair. No, no. Balassi no, no. They've been, uh, gone. The, yeah, they've been home. Yeah. Mm. The has been, like, uh, just live streaming in his yard with, like, little kids past couple Yeah. Of years. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it was his birthday recently. I sent him uh, uh, an Instagram message saying, happy birthday, Leon. He liked it. So That's true. I mean, he's a good hey, dude. Yeah. Now, yeah. the problem, I think, was the, <laughs> with the uh, – miscommunication between Sporting and Everton and the player, which was mm -hmm. who's going to pay for the salary when the, the, the loan was until June. Oh, okay. that's makes sense. Yeah, Everton was basically saying we're not going to pay for April, we're not going to pay for May. That's still on Sporting. 
So that's what the dilemma was. Fair enough. Anyways, moving on. Um, Chris, I was going to ask you, what, what do you expect? It's tough because, uh, of course, we only had one game under Ruben Amorim in that game. Um, was it Avj? They, I believe they had two red cards in the first half. So yeah, it was, it was tough to, for us to even get anything out of that game. They parked the bus for most of it, but we ended up winning it. Um, what are what do you expect from from I mean mainly going off of what he did at Braga, mainly going off of what you know you've been seeing on the news. Of course, all their pump is uh, Ruben Amorim and him loving youngsters. What do you expect with this Guimarães lineup now? Do you expect him to play youngsters from the start? Do you expect him at least to maybe sub a few in here and here and then, like uh, maybe like a Nuno Mendes, seeing as Veranda has been uh, on him for a while. Um, what are you expecting from this game and age game? I personally think that the lineup is from the last game against Avs, and I have it here. I can read it out. I think it's going to be essentially unchanged, um, at least at first. He, I don't know how many of the how deep he's going to go with the five subs, but if he does, then I think that we'll have some. Where you want to consider it. Um, so he had Ilori, Kowats, and Matthew as a back three. I think it's probably going to be Netu, Kowats, and Matthew as a back three. Whoever hmm. convinced him more. Not sure who. Um, probably Bataglia. Um, Dumbia. Well, there's a report that he's a, he's. Steph, is that just my end? Okay. No, no, no. He's okay. he is uh yeah, he's breaking he's breaking up. Oh, I was breaking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're back now. Sorry. So okay. last we heard was the back the amazing back three of Ilotti Quatrimatu. So uh if you want to pick it up from there again. Uh, yeah, he's frozen. Yeah, yeah we lose. See, him. I can see myself like as a spinning wheel. Um Okay. I can. You might be back. What's your provider? <laughs> Ask for your money back for this month. Cheap to garage meal. Hey, Lavael. Anyway, Steph, I'll ask you the same question. What What do you expect yeah. from Ruben Amurin, especially coming from uh, from his previous games, mainly at Braga, but from what you've been reading and all that, what do you expect from him? I'm expecting a lot of good things from Bruno Amorim because um, from, what I, from what I understand and when he used to play at uh, different clubs he played and spe specifically the one he, he stood out the most, which was uh, in Befica. Uh, but as a, as a, a coach uh, so far at uh, Oriental and Braga, he's, he's, been, he's been showing that he has a strong character and whatever he says goes. And I like that about a coach. You need to have a pulse. So and he's able to also motivate uh, uh, his players, which that's, that's key for success. 
if you're able to conquer the team and the team is able to assimilate the way you want your practice to be played, uh, if they follow you, if you're a leader and they follow you, then we'll be successful. And that's what I think Sporting lacked of, of a coach that's a leader. Uh, and then um, when you lead by example, then the players will follow you. And I, I think Ruben Amorim, he's got that. I think he's got the charisma. And he said it well at, at his presentation there with, uh, with uh, Veranda is that uh, it don't matter about the past where I come from. I'm a professional. And when I come to coach, uh, I, I'm going to give my 100%. And I truly believe that's what he's all about. And uh, he, he will prove it to us that he's all about. I don't care that if he likes uh, Benfica. To me, that's not a concern. We had uh, João Vieira Pinto in, uh, in our sporting. He wore the jersey and he played well. He was a phenomenal player at sporting. We had Carlos Manuel playing for Benfica. And he played all his career at Benfica. And he played well for Benfica. And Benfica just loved him. So... You know, people have to put aside the clubismo, fanatismo, and we have to be, uh, we, we, we have to be basically uh, accept that this guy is a professional, Ruben Amorí, and, you know, from what I've seen and from what his playbook, uh, the way he, he, he broke it down, uh, everything he, he wants to give Sporting, it looks good on paper. Now let's see you know, when we start playing, of course. But I'm, I'm forcing Ruben Amorim being on, a, on the bench and basically uh, getting up. Well, he can't get up off the bench because he lacks of um, the, uh, the the licenses. <laughs> that he the the license. Yeah, yeah I know. Still shit. Emmanuel Ferro. Still Emmanuel Ferro. Not even so. That, that guy got, that guy managed to stick around. So it's going to be the same kind of, like, for some reason he bothers me. I don't know what it is. He just kind yeah. of annoys me. I don't know what it is. So, like, honestly, I was I'll, kind of disappointed that he was sticking around. Because he's, like, the coach, basically. I, yeah, I mean, the thing is, in that to to, uh, to be a, a, what is it, uh, League One coach in Portugal, you need to have a certain amount of games uh, in um before you can jump up to the next level. So it's kind of weird. But anyway, that, that's my take on it. I'm expecting a lot of fun with and we'll see. Yeah. Chris, you Somebody's seem to be Somebody's got the YouTube on. Sorry? Do you have YouTube on? Mm, YouTube? I think I, I thought on? I muted it. Let me just uh, try that again. Because It might just be the, like uh, echo. Uh, Okay. Well, anyways, we'll keep on track of that. Here, I exited the YouTube, so hopefully that's not me. Um, Chris, I was going to just pass on to you again if you wanted to just uh, give uh, spark notes on uh, what you were about to say. Yeah, yeah. so basically, um, I think that he likes to play the back three. Um, it seems to be his preferred formation, so I think it's going to be Neto, Matthew, and Kowats as the back three. Um, Rostovsky and Acuna are probably going to be the wing backs. Although he's Val Rozier seems like he is more in favor under Amorim than he was, um, uh, under Silas before. Yeah. Cause he totally fell out of favor and like, he, I don't know if he honestly played once during the entire Silas era or maybe only a couple times. Um, so I think that probably Rostovsky is going to get the edge, but Val may be in the picture again. Um, I think that wing back role might suit him better, honestly. Anyways, 
Um, and then uh, basically your choice of Bataglia or Dumbia, flip a coin with Wendell in the middle and then Spurat up top and either Plata or Cabral on one side and then probably Vieto on the other side. If he's really feeling risque, he might go Cabral and Plata to, uh, to get in our good graces, but I think it's probably going to be Vieto and one of those two on the other side. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, we'll move on also uh, to transfers since we're on the topic. Uh, a lot of transfer talk has been has been going on. Before we talk too much about departures, um, just so much of uh, more of the youngsters. Chris, I'll, I'll keep this one still with you. Um, we we hear of rumors of Max also, so far since this COVID thing has been going on. Max going to either Inter AC. Uh, again, the Milan clubs coming in for, for one of our talents now being uh, Eduard Kurajma. We had um, Nunu Mench uh, recently come uh, be under fire for uh, Liverpool or come under scouting for Liverpool. Uh, Rodrigo Fernandes as well. Uh, I forgot the team that he was being looked at. Undisclosed club in England. Uh, 10 so million or something. That, that means Nottingham Forest, Wolves. Um, yeah, the, those would be my <laughs> uh, guesses. <laughs> yeah, the, the judgment controlled clubs. Basically, Chris, what do you think of all this? Is this... They're maybe their agents trying to play onto new contracts, seeing as they're they're youngsters and they're wonder kids. And Verandes has only been talking about how his our academy is top notch. Do you think there might be some truth behind it? What are your thoughts? Basically, what has happened is I think that the specifically Miguel Pinho, who is Bruno Fernandes' agent, and also clearly connected or friendly or bullied by George Menz. Um, and I think that it's been clear that Vernandez is willing to play ball with guys like this. Like, like they've like, I've watched other clubs joke about like the George Menz, the, the 15 special. I mean, it's like the 10 plus five or whatever. He takes like a third of it. It says you get, it gets reported as 15. You actually end up netting like eight or nine. It's just like, just like the classic thing, and Palinia is going for the George Men's 15 special. Um, uh, yeah, Kurea went for the George Men's 15 special. It's like they're all going for like the 10 to 15 George Men's special. Um, Rodrigo Fernandez is a Miguel Pinho client, so they see opportunity to move him to England now. Um, Palinia is, is George Men's, so obviously there's connections there with Wolves. It's too easy, 15, done deal. Um, and Nunu Menge is a new one. Um, I'm not sure where that one came from, but Manu and Liverpool in the last two days have reportedly been linked to him. Calling him the best under-19 left back in Europe, one of the articles in England, which is crazy. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not true, but I am going to say it is out of nowhere. Um, and, yeah, Ma- and the Max one, the Max one of all of those I think is the least legitimate. I think it's Max's agent is just trying to get um, a new contract that he's been promised a renewal for months. Um, since like January, he's been promised a renewal. He's still making like the the U23 wage he was on, like 120K a year. You know, he's making nothing for a pro athlete and he's been the starting goalie for months. So obviously he expects a new deal. Um, and I think that's just trying to turn the heat up. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, it is scary that it seems like the a lot of the youth prospects could be taking a, a path more similar to 
Thiago Jello, where we just kind of prematurely sell them to cash in and they never really get that chance to play with the first team, develop, increase their value. We just kind of cash out at 10 to 10 to 12 or 10 to 12, 15 with George Mann's connections, C7, 8, and call it a day. But, I mean, obviously when you allow them to come into the first team and develop and play well and score goals or whatever, you know, they obviously increase. They could go for as high as, you know, like 60, 45, depending on the player. Um, Sporting has been famous for doing that. So it's kind of like um, – Kind of, it's like ducking out of the, of the situation early to just I'll I'll have I'll take seven mil now rather than have the possibility of twenty five later, you know. So it's just it's short sighted, is what it is. Super short sighted, Steph. Going on to you, um, more on the dismissals, and um, we'll stick more to the actual in club. Show that fucking beautiful jersey off that. <laughs> <laughs> um going more towards the the players that are still at the club a lot of a lot of noise around one Matthew's retirement uh two uh, and more importantly the loss of two of, of our better players on the team uh, no matter how much shit we can talk about them Kwatch and Aquinha um and ever since the covid situation has been going on it's at an even lower price than ever before um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see any validity behind those uh, those rumors? Do you think we could possibly lose one of them, two of them? Uh, Mathieu retiring, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, Mathieu is waiting for the perfect time to announce it, if he will continue it or not. Uh, me, personally, I don't think he will because, um, you know, when you take too long to decide, it, you know, the tendency means that um, it's a no. Because if you wanted really to stay, you would have said yes by now. I hope I'm wrong, of course, because I would like to see him stay uh, one more year. But if he doesn't stay, then we we have a lot of potential. We have a lot of youth coming from uh, the uh, under-23. Uh, so I'm not really worried about the um, the center backs. Uh, well, if, if Kowac stays, of course, I, I'm assuming that Kowac will stay. Uh, and also Luis Net. I think Luis Net, which I think we have to renew with him um, before his uh, contract e expires. Uh, he's one of those in, in the bubble uh, that we have to make a move, him and um, uh, our goalie, Maxi. Um, so hopefully we're not going to lose Quats. We're not going to lose Maxi. We're not going to lose um, uh, also Quaresma, up and coming center back. Uh, so I'm assuming we will lose Macho. Hope, hopefully we won't. Uh, I wouldn't mind losing, uh, what's his name, Ulodi. That I would give him away for free, actually, uh, with a, f a food basket. Um, but um, Acuna, if we sell him for less than 20, it's a bad deal. We could have sold him to the Russians last year for 20 million and now we <laughs> the news i mean i'm not saying I, I i believe the news from portugal saying that uh is willing to sell him for 15. uh but i wouldn't be surprised if Varenda would sell him for 15 because he's a he's a very poor negotiator and he believes too much in men's he relies too much on george men's george men's is running sporting basically as far as selling and buying players and that's and that's a dangerous game because uh there's his nickname is super super agent 
And there's a reason for that. He wants to make money. He's in that business to make money. And uh, if, he can, if he can screw Sporting in the middle of it, he will. Uh, so, and that's one, uh, one of the things Bruno Carvalho did well was to expel this kind of uh, uh, gre greedy people. But they back in our Sporting. Uh, because that's what happens when you have someone like Verandas and Vienna, very limited, poor negotiators. They need a third party to do the job for them. And, um, infelizmente, como a gente diz na gíria portuguesa, estão de volta. And when, when we had these people, these, uh, these uh, worms, these, these uh, anacondas, these fucking vampires sucking our blood, we're in bad shape. Um, it, it's it's not acceptable that we we made a, we made a deal with, uh, with Bruno Fernandes. How much was it? I'm at 55 million, I think. We sold him 55. for 50, yeah, 55 and sporting 55 with bonuses. We can get 80, but got it. Which one of the bonuses is impossible? Uh, and then yeah. two of them, it's maybe possible. But with that said, to fit to wrap it up. How much money did we see? I think 30 million out of the 55? Probably, yeah. I think something around those lines. Um, maybe I'm off a little bit, but so it's no, a I different. Think you're near. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a difference of 25 million. What the fuck is the 25 million going to? Commissions and all that stuff. So I'm not saying they shouldn't be paid for it. Of course, they should be paid for it, but they take an advantage of how Sporting sucks, or oh, this administration sucks negotiating. And Menz is, is loving it because he's banking millions acoustic Sporting because Verandas and Luke Vienna, they just suck. They suck. They yeah. say yes, yes to everything. And they think they're doing a great job. In their little world, they really think they're doing a phenomenal job with Sporting. They, Verandas, if I, I saw the interviews, And I've read the interviews, and in his mind, he thinks he saved Sporting. I mean, I could have saved Sporting the way he did it. He made so many bad deals, and he thinks he really saved Sporting. He had to sell 25 players that gave him X amount of money, but could have given him a lot more money. And in his mind, he, think, he thinks he made, he made a good, you know, good deals. Anyway... He, the only well, thing, well, the yeah, only thing that he's done, the only thing he's done is just scrap down the assets that were available to him. That's all yeah. he did. He didn't replace any of the assets what, what he scrapped he, down. <laughs> Anyone could have done that. Thing, most of the assets that he bought us are being rumored out. Dumbia has been rumored out. We bought so them he, just, he's, Those are all his guys. Those aren't even like yeah. carryover guys because it's like Rostovsky and Bruno Gaspar. And there are some players that are still in the mix that are – that yeah, are not yeah. his guys, yeah. but he's Diaby, now at the point but... where he's turning over his own guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He made he made a lot of bad deals, and what he did was do a full salarial. So then he he minimized yeah, he just, the he uh, scrapped it down. Yeah, he sold. He, he, just, he just he just had a fire sale basically, and and made everything cost less, but yeah, didn't replace yeah. it with anything. No. No, he should have sold the fucking uh, the players he sold like Bruno Fernandes. He should have been for a lot more money. That was a bargain for Manchester United, and he thinks he fooled Manchester United. No, on on Ali's on Ali's first uh, press conference, they were asking if if Bruno Fernandes was a was a bargain. 
already on his first game, I should say. Sorry, in his <laughs> first game, they were asking Ollie if it was if it was a steal, and he was like, "Yeah, it was." Like, it's it's ridiculous that 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 deal. Um, but going on to another ridiculous deal, and I think the big one uh, and one that we'll have to deal with all summer, really. And I'll ask the both of you these: um, Juan Pelinga. Um, a lot of complications behind that, uh, especially seeing as Sosa Sintra really fucked us over in terms of a deal with Braga, a two-year loan um, with other stipulations behind it. Now being mentioned that uh, 15 million and he's off to Wolves. Um, so, you know, as much as he's progressed in Braga, uh, and I do remember the João Pelinga who played under uh, Jorge Zuz, um, a completely different player than he is today. Um, Braga might have helped his development up. Uh, not might. It, it definitely helped his development a ton, um, but we won't be able to reap any benefits from that. And I mean, 15 million, maybe it's a lot. What do you guys think? Steph, I'll start with you off. Okay. So um, I think uh, Pellini is better with Sporting. Um, of course, he will never admit it, but uh, I don't think he wanted to be loaned out to Sporting Braga. And uh, he was kind of forced to do it. Uh, it was not a bad deal for him because, you know, he still stayed in Portugal in a beautiful, uh, you know, region of Portugal. Me and you, Braga, it's beautiful to live in. But deep inside, I don't think he wanted to. I think now after two years of being in Braga, um, him personally, I don't know anything. I'm just assuming this is just my humble opinion. I think he's just uh, don't want to doesn't want to come back because he's pissed. Uh, and he, he had a lot of players with similar situations, uh, such as Ishgayu, uh, that we, we shipped him away to, to Braga when he had more than enough quality to be at Sporting. And, uh, you know, this is, again, my opinion. Ishgayu should have never left Sporting, uh, um, including Pelinha. And now he's, uh, he's forcing his way out to, to, be, to actually go and play in another league than uh, playing at Sporting. Um, and uh, it's upsetting because we can see that that Pelinha is a great player. He has developed a whole lot at uh, Braga. He's a great number six. Uh, he's scoring goals. Um, he knows how to you know play play with the ball on his feet. And we're never going to see that at our Sporting just because we we as Sporting Club Portugal. And this has nothing to do with Verandas. I mean, uh, let's let's be fair about that. We miss we mistreated him, and um, it was a bad deal. It was to pay bills, whatever money we owed Braga and Antonio Salvador, being the Raposa uh, that he is. He's been in uh, in our league playing for a long time. Um, he accepted the deal, uh, and he did. If I was Antonio Salvador, president of Braga, I would have accepted the deal as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Pellini is not going to play at Sporting. His agent is going to find him another club in the uh, English league, looks like it. And I don't blame him, to tell the truth. Uh, this is what yeah. happens when, when, when you mistreat p- p- players with great potential. And, epa, é um dia triste para o Sporting Clube Portugal, but I don't think we should treat him like we treat Podence, because Podence is a piece of shit, for example. Or William Carvalho, another piece of shit. Pelinha is totally different. We, as Sporting Club Portugal, mistreated him. We treated him like shit. So I love the guy. I wish him well. And I'm sad he's not going to come back and play with us. Hopefully I'm wrong and he will play 2020, 2021. But it sure doesn't look like it. 
And, and by we, of course, you mean the administration. And and yes, it's 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 quite a few. It was, it was but not this, only not this, only letting this, Sorry, go ahead. But this was not on verandas. This deal was made no, on no. the uh, Sosa Cinta. Yeah. Yeah. Sosa Cinta, so, agreed. Uh, yeah, I was saying, one. though, in terms of our administration, we'll go in from disrespecting the likes of Pelinha, who we obviously seen the emotion that was on his face on the Taça de Portugal when we lost to Avj after the Alcochit accident. But then, uh, again, maybe a different administration, but still our administration as, as the club, then disrespecting a club legend a few months later, and Nani and Freddie Montero, for example, not letting them finish the season, selling them off in February. Um, a lot of mismanagement going on. Uh, and Christian, what are, what are your thoughts on, on the Pelinga situation? Unfortunately, I think that the reason is because Braga has 15% of the sale until September or until September 1st. So you would think that at least keep him until January, right? So that Braga doesn't get the 15% and you get more of the 15 mil that you were gonna, than you were going to get prior to it. But I think, unfortunately... Uh, I saw yesterday, I know we talked about it before, but the 10 million for Ruben Amorim is actually, it's at 14 million right now. If you include like the, 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 the interest. interest. Yeah. yeah. So I think that the 2.5 that Braga is supposed to get is sort of like a roundabout way of, of giving Braga money. Um, and I think that it's sort of like being used as, as a way to like funnel, Braga money and Salvador's like you you we have 15% until September 1st you're going to you're going to sell him before September 1st right and he he's like yeah yeah George he's already arranged it to Wolves 15 mil like it's done so we're good and then Salvador's like thank you well done boys <laughs> it's like it's it honestly there's no way that that's not at least part of it because it doesn't make sense to sell him while they still have 15% when he isn't even their player, but whatever. I mean, it was a terrible loan deal and uh, Salvador is taking advantage of the, the situation that we've put ourselves in by directly bankrolling them as much as we have been. Exactly. And, and the last transfer uh, sort of uh, business I'll, 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 I'll talk about and Steph, I'll pass this one off to you before we move on just for a bit. Um, it's mainly the the Slimani and Adrian rumors we were seeing lately. Not so much on them because, of course, Adrian had come out saying uh, how he would love to come back. Uh, there was a some sort of quote, I don't know where, but apparently Slimani promised he would come back. Um, not so much on them individually, but what is it with us always being linked to former Spartan players who had had, you know, good careers here? Is it just us, like papers trying to? circulate news do you think it's there's some belief behind it because we definitely do have a history of doing so i mean we we sold for example fabio rochenbach who i love to middlesbrough before bringing him back um we also did that with nani a few times so there definitely is a history there do you think there might be some truth behind it uh do you think players might be pushing their agents to do these these sort of things because they see sporting as like a safe gate and you know, maybe we can revamp, revamp their career again. What are your thoughts on that? I think uh, at this point in time, it's just uh, uh, the, because of the COVID-19 uh, effect, um, they, they're filling in the blanks. They have nothing to run on TV, and uh, they're doing all the 
if you notice that they, they uh, we've been seeing a lot more podcasts and a lot more interviews from different channels from sporting tv from sport tv from uh, cmtv from uh, canal owns uh they've been doing a lot of interviews to players because they home so so this zoom or this uh you know uh stream yard or whatever you know they use it's it's becoming a big thing lately uh and then of course and any journalist that's asking uh under the end a bunch of questions they always going to ask the question of oh will, are you willing to come back to sporting uh if you watch interviews with uh with Befico Porto players, they ask similar questions as well to ex-players. They used to play for, 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 for those clubs. Uh, one of them was U U David uh, Luis, and he said, "Yeah, the only club I would play play for would be Befica in Portugal." So it's not uncommon what's what's going on lately. Uh, the record of all joke they have they have they, they have nothing much to put on. So. They strive on these questions just to get all the fans riled up, like me, you, and Chris, and uh, you know, uh, Nandinho, all, all the sporting fans in our case. Uh, and then some fans will 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 believe in it. Hey, whether the by Voltari, use Limani, but you know, the most realistic um, uh, fans, that the ones they they pay attention, we know that's not a, a realistic. Uh, thought because they they just make too much money. I mean, how much does Andrian uh, uh, make per year? I think four million. Uh, Slimani is close to that too. So I think I think we're trying to to stay at one million, one point five the max for 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 players for one player. So we're not going to see these players unless they're willing to come back just to make one million or one point five, whatever it's our salary cap per player. Um, so we ain't going to see them. Um, and, th and that's the reality of things. And I, and I agree with that, uh, with that philosophy. If you can't afford a player because they want to make X amount of money, hey, I love you in the end. I love you, Slimani, but unless you lower your salary, then I ain't going to see you at Sporting. There's no way we can pay four, four millions because we broke, bro. We are broke. I mean, you've noticed that, uh, Handball players have left. Uh, futsal players have left. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for that because the club is readjusting their finances. There's no income in cash. And this is not only sporting, it's every club. But I think this administration, this aspect, they're being a little bit more realistic. Even though I don't like Udeo leaving from futsal. Uh, all the, the players that have left in handball, I don't, I, don't I don't like it. But I don't know how much money they we're making, but apparently it looks like it was a lot of money. And it looks like that sporting not only in, uh, in football, soccer, but handball, basketball, and futsal, they're going to rely on the, uh, on the youth for, um, for, for the time being. And, and that's what I would do as well. If I know my finances... Uh, now you have patrocinadores, they stop paying. You have Liga Nos. Nos will, will not re-sign the contract with the Portuguese league. Starting you next have, year, right? Yeah. You, they have one more year, 2020-21. So there won't be 2021-22. So 
the cash flow with uh, with uh, the fans buy merchandise has gone down. With the socios has gone down. That we can blame Varandas, of course, because mm -hmm. he does not how to unite sporting geeses. And also the ticket sales is none because there's no there's no there's no games. Even if we we are about to restart the games, but we're not allowed. They're not allowed to go into the stadium. So all that money is gone, and we have to be realistic. Uh, you know, a lot of sporting geeses they were against the layoff of. We can say, epa, vamos manter toda a gente do trabalho, and the club has no money. So I understood the layoff. I think that's, that was a realistic move from the club. Uh, if Porto and Benfica, they're not doing it, that's on them. But I would rather, yeah. you know, me, if I, if I was a funcionário do Sporting Club Portugal, I would rather be laid off than Sporting telling me, I ain't got no money to pay you. Because if I'm laid off, now I apply for unemployment. And I get money. The you know, you get money mm -hmm. that way. So what Valenda's administration did with that, I think it was very responsible for the uh, for the, the club be, being at the state we are financially and, and for the survival of the club from now on and for the future. So I don't agree with sporting geeses that say, Oh, you should have kept everyone employed. I don't, because we know we're struggling financially. And that's my take on it. Agreed. And that's that's the perfect transition to go on to uh, Federico Verandes. Let me read off some quotes from uh, his recent interview um, saying, Até 2022, o objetivo é estar na Champions. So, really, in two years, we'll be really pushed to be in the Champions League. Um, saying that um, Mateus Nunes, one of our youngsters, will pay for Ruben Amorim. Of course, projecting, but then being hypocritical, saying... Um, with COVID-19, uh, Bruno Fernandes, who was lights out, was sold for 55, might not have been even sold for 20. So uh, very hypocritical there, saying Gelson Martins, Rui Patricio e Pudence foram grandes negócios. Um, uh, the likes of Wang saying that he wasn't uh, tricked, não, foram, não fomos iludidos. Era o miúdo mais talentoso e, prosim, e prosi, promissor, meaning like he was very promising, but didn't even get a sniff on the under 23s. Um, so how he wasn't tricked beyond me. Um, Christian, what are your thoughts on, on that whole interview? I know you probably have way more, more quotes to, to bang out. Um, does this kid, does this guy just keep shoving his foot in his mouth or, or, or what's up, man? Yeah. I, I mean, watching the, the second one, at least the one that you just talked about, I tweeted out on the account, like, what is he, how does he see any benefit in coming out and continuing to do these interviews? Because I don't see how this is helping him because he just says things that are so memeable. Like they're so dumb and uh, like out of touch with reality. Like the David Wang is that was the most talented Chinese prospect is number one, hilarious because it's obviously not true. And number two, David Wang is not like he's not he's, his parents are chinese but the kid was born in spain and grew up in spain his whole life he wasn't like some you know some shanghai shenua academy prospect that like came to europe because he was good and he impressed in china you know like if that was the case that would have been better honestly but he just like was stumbling through like the semi-pro leagues in spain coming through a team that's now literally doesn't exist anymore uh, in the 
third or fourth division. I think it was the fourth division. Um, so, I mean, just, dude, how are you defending that? It's indefensible. And they were kind of pressed him, I think, on, like, what exactly the two mil protocol was. Like, what, what exactly did – because it was, like, access to the Asian markets and, like, what exactly that meant. And he just, like, obviously couldn't provide any specific details. Um, the Nunu men's for – the Nunu men's will pay for Ruben Amorim is probably the most troubling statement, though, because, number one, puts so much pressure on the kid unnecessarily. Um, he has been on the cover of the newspaper a couple times. Like, Ruben Amorim likes him. Uh, he's been pressed him. He promised him some minutes, it would appear, um, with the first team. But it's like, how can you just say that he's going to be sold for 10 mil? One, because you're putting so much pressure on the kid. Sporting has like 60% of his pass for like 500K, I think. Um, so number one, you're putting the pressure on him to, to reach the level where we're selling him for a lot of money. Number two, you're making it, you're capping it. You're like, you're pushing it at 10 mil is like, if Matthias Nunes develops and what we want Matthias Nunes to develop into, in the best case scenario, I think he's, he's worth a lot more than 10 mil. Um, but at the same time, it's like no one knows anything. And it's just that's just not a way to think about youth prospects putting definitive number caps on them before they've even played once for the first team. It's just stupid. And... I mean, if he says it's to pay for Ruben Amorim, which indirectly indicates that he doesn't have a way to pay for him right now. So it's interesting that he decided to do it, knowing that he didn't have the capital, the liquid capital at the time to, to actually pay for him. Yeah. It also just shows bad planning as, as well, in my mind, um, because the, the journalist in question was the one um, specifically asking about the Ruben Amorim funds. At funds and uh it's just hilarious how his go-to answer was of a hypothetical transfer <laughs> in the future um it, it's a really who's never once played for the first team exactly <laughs> exactly a good kid but like you said yeah unnecessary pressure um steph i'll also pass it off to you as well the, same thing what are your thoughts on the verandas um the Verandas in interview recently, but as well, um, the recent news of uh, certain dismissals coming out. We also had a, a candidate come out for the year 2022 for president already. Um, and and Nun Souza, I believe that is his name. I believe he was just on uh, Sporting 160. Um, so, yeah, Steph, what, what are your thoughts in total as well about that? Uh, it was a, a very poor interview. I mean, so, some of the things he said... Uh, uh, it, they needed to be said so we fully understand what was going on. But at this point in time, I just don't believe him. I think the COVID-19 saved his skin. I think he was doomed. And this kind of played out in his favor. Uh, especially now, he can blame everything on the COVID-19 as far as uh, the poor season. Um, even if we don't get the third place, he could blame it on that. The finances, uh, he's going to blame it on that. Even though we knew before that uh, it, it wasn't him, he did a really poor job managing, even though he tried to blame Brun Carvalho. Um, of course, I, I do think that the attack uh, that can me played a big role in uh, how much money we lost and uh, the uh, the brand name of Sporting was affected. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a dummy either. 
I know that that was one of the big causes, but he didn't convince me at all in the, in this uh, interview. Uh, I wanted him to touch more on the clocks to reunite the club as far as the fans. But I think it's too late for that, but you still have to attempt to find a way to reunite all the fans. And he hasn't done that yet. There's a lot of division among our club. We don't even need to be fighting with Befiquistas and Portistas because we do, a, we do a goddamn good job between us, Portistas. And to me, that's a shame. Uh, and I blame the administration in place now because they are the ones leading Sporting. They are the ones they should be finding a way to unite the club. But so far, they haven't found that. So the whole thing, the whole interview was was uh, a so-so interview from a scale of 1 to 10. I would rate it a 2 uh, because he mumbles a lot. He eats a lot of words. He lacks of uh, vocabulary. Uh, and don't forget, Portuguese is his first language, but he struggles a lot. He's uh, delivering speeches. is very, very poor. Um, and... And he doesn't know how to galvanize and, and get all of us together. It's, it, it bothers me that we're so divided. And uh, his speech, uh, but, uh, like Chris said, Wang, he, he said he's, uh, he, he was a very promising player. Are you kidding me? What the fuck is he now? Is he in the fourth division in, the, in Spain or something? I don't even know where he is now. I, I have no idea. Uh, Anyway. I have no. I think I don't even think transfer market knows where he's at. Last time I checked, he's online exactly. in the second division of China. In the China. second division in China, China. Wow, it's Jesus. a league I follow every day. I've never watched one game, <laughs> especially the second division. For this, it's not only that. Like, I, I, I don't follow. I, I don't follow anything. anything. Anything from China. I have no interest of, about anything from China. A country that's backwards. They eat dogs, cats, and bats. And what the fuck? I don't. I don't like China. I will never like China. I know this is a a sports podcast, but fuck, I don't give a fuck about the Chinese. These people are nuts, man. I mean, they pay well, man. They pay well. Yeah. I mean, super de morcego. Fuck. I mean, these people are nuts, bro. How can you? How can you grow dogs and eat them? I mean, are you kidding me? Come by that Maluk, you know. I mean, I, I have no interest in uh, any Chinese league or chi China itself. I'll never go there, to tell the truth. I have no desire. Uh, but anyway. 10 million euros a year, I'll go there. <laughs> Buddy. No. Very little I'll turn down for 10 million euros. <laughs> 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 Anyway, not to go into politics, but yeah, Fernandez was a very, very poor speech, very poor explanations, and he didn't convince me at all. I read the whole thing, the question and, and his answers, and I was not impressed whatsoever. Another poor performance, another poor delivery. He should be the one saying, hey, I'm a, a grand sporting geek, and I know I suck, so I'm going to quit. <laughs> That's what he should do. But he's not going to do it. Takes a lot you know of, why he's not going to do it? 
takes a lot of balls and courage, Clock. and that's nothing he has. Pays well. It pays well. He's that connected. He's, ca- he's connected with well-connected people now. So he thinks he's setting himself up for even after this gig. Aquela merda dá dinheiro, meu, because I never seen o Porto of Benfica Sporting struggling for presidents. There's always someone that wants to run for president. And it's not because they're not going to make money. It's because they know they will make money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They know they will make money. And and that's the problem. Uh, you know, uh, the big clubs will always have president. And if they're lucky, they will have a Pinta Costa that won for Porto. It doesn't matter how, but he won for Porto. Many campeonatos. O Orelhas, o Felipeira. He won for Benfica. And I know Sporting he said, epa, foi tudo corrupção, sem mais quem. Mas ganhou. Epa, mas ganhou. All we have is shitheads, and we never win anything. The closest we got was Bruno Carvalho, and we, we kicked him out. Mm-hmm. We kicked yeah. him out. Yeah. So, and agora temos contentos com varandas. E, e, he gives a million excuses, and you listen to Sporting Kisses from, from Portugal, and it's like they're in love with him. A good majority, not all of them, of course. There's a lot that don't like him at all, like we don't like him. But there's a good majority that, for some reason, they have, like, they, they, he's got a spell on them. They, they, he, he got these people hypnotized. We don't win shit with Verandas, and, and they still want him as a president. And all they say is for you attack them to reconstruction But people don't see that this guy is not a good president. The minute he opens his mouth and he can give a speech, you can you can't sell, you don't know how to negotiate. He's he's really bad, really bad. I mean terrible. Agreed. Steph, did you uh, I might have dismissed it because I stepped off for a second. You you mentioned anything about the uh, the, the dismissals or anything like that or or even uh, Nunu, is it Nunu Santos? Nunu Nunu, sorry, what was that? Nunu Souza. Souza, sorry. Did you mention that by it's, chance before I pass on to Christian? It, well, it's too soon to tell now because we're going to have a lot more candidates. So, I mean, yeah. he seems to be reasonable, but he's not he's not one of the most likable candidates for Sporting. So I think uh, Bruno Carvalho is uh, proven that uh, he was innocent. Sporting vai ter que levar esta administração do Sporting vai ter que levar no cu, and then yeah. we'll have to accept him back by a socio, and then he'll be able to run for president again. Exactly. So, so we'll see. Uh, but I'm not convinced with this. Uh, an, another croquette. No, I'm not convinced with it. Fair play. Fair enough. And Christian, I'll, I'll quickly pass that one off to you before uh, before we go on to uh, a question here from David Pereira, who, if I'm not mistaken is um, David Streif, or David Streif over on Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. But anyways, Christian, what were what are your thoughts? I know you have uh, some thoughts leading on to the uh, latest dismissals. Oh, I mean, it's just, to me, uh, I think that I was hoping, at least, that it was kind of showing some, some breaking points, some actual conflict and disagreement within the, the front office, you could say. Um, Three three re- resignations in two days is is pretty brutal, and some of the explanations that were given, like all they're related to COVID, these are already planned and they just happen to execute them now. It's is bullshit. Um, no one in an economic crisis quits their job voluntarily unless they are 
you know, very dissatisfied with the direction of whatever their work is doing. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that they didn't quit because of COVID. They quit because they disagree with the direction that things are going and the what Verandas was telling them to do. Um, one of them was the Academy director. One of them, um, forget what it was one of his roles. I think he was a vice president, one of the vice presidents. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, oh, I, I don't, I mean, we've heard some of the rumors about, we just talked about it. I mean, selling the youth players too early to just, to just play it safe and just cash in on, on anything while you can. Um, maybe he, you know, disagrees with that and he's not happy that these negotiations are, are prematurely happening just to flip them with super agents. So I don't know. I'm just reading into the situation and I have no idea, but no matter what way you look at it, it doesn't seem good for him. <laughs> facts and uh just to quickly add it uh this was right towards the beginning of the end for bruno de carvalho was the uh quick dismissals from his um from his fellow peers so um i mean obviously it's not that dramatic but uh definitely something to mention uh let's just quickly go to some comment to some questions here in the comments first one coming from david pereira mm -hmm. uh let me just put that up there uh steph i think you're actually right i think this is the braga fan uh, I might be confusing the two Davids. But anyways, uh, he asks, if Spartan doesn't hold on to Pedinga, does Bataglia stay based on necessity? Steph, what do you think, dude? I mean, it's not based on, on necessity. I don't think we have any better. Uh, uh, Bataglia now had time to uh, recoup from his injury, major injury. Uh, now with these two months, it played out, it played out uh, okay for him. He was, uh, he was able to actually focus on his knee. It's between him and Dumbia. Dumbia gives us no guarantees. Um, I don't know uh, after two months if he's gotten any better, but certain players, for some reason, they, they take a while to, to, to evolve, and Dumbia is one of those cases. Um, so he's our player, Bataglia. So I don't think he'll stay for ne because of necessity. He'll stay because he's our player. That, that's the bottom line. Sporting's not going to sell the whole team. We just just can't, you know, if we sell one or two players because we need money and let's not be fools. It's that's the main reason why, because we have to pay the bank or the loan. We, we, we ask the American for what's the company, Chris? Uh, Apollo. Uh, yeah. Apollo. Exactly. I know you would remember. Um, so there's obligations we need to meet. So when, when Sporting makes a deal, and it's like, why did we sell this player? Like Nani and Montero, they were making too much money. So Sporting had to respect certain obligations and, and then they had to pay off certain bills that if we didn't, then who, who, uh, play, who, who fair, fair play financier would, go, would be into, into play. So they tried to avoid that. So I think Bataglia will be actually a player I'm looking forward to come back to form at 100% and it'll be key to our success uh, just because I don't really trust Dumbia that much. I think Dumbia will be good for Liga games as a backup uh, for the last 15, 20 minutes um, when the other team is tired as well. He'll be good for Tassel Portugal games, but not as a starter. Um, and... Uh, my confidence, if we don't get to, to if we don't convince Pelinha to stay, because Pelinha, we have to send now best bullshitter, 
to convince him to stay. And then if he stays, then we can get rid of Dumbia. And now we yeah. keep Batavia because he's got more experience. If Padinha goes, then we're going to have to keep Dumbia and Bataglia because uh, I don't know what's available in the market. And to tell you the truth, uh, we broke. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't have a lot of money to play, to play with and, and the positions we need. It's um, most likely a center back if Mathieu doesn't stay and uh, another uh, Punta Lanza uh, striker. Um, so, you know, you do we have anyone up and coming? Uh, as this number six, or Mateus Nunes, perhaps yeah. Braganza, maybe Braganza. Uh, that's but what I, I guess it's to... not a number six, he's more of a number eight. Yeah, he's not, he doesn't have that, like, he's not really a destroyer. Yeah, he is pretty small no. for a uh, for a six, too. Yeah, yeah, he's a finesse player, he's he's one of those players that plays Vulent. Uh, so. And that's and that's I think Matus Nunes would be the best player for that position. So I mean, we shall see. Uh, and yeah, that's all I got for you. Fair enough. Next question, I'll pass this one off to you, Chris. Uh, I think it'll show up now. Yeah, Pedro Mendes or Thiago Tomas? Uh, who do you guys think uh, Ruben Amorim will look to for options as striker after Spurad? Seems like Ruben Amorim fancies Tomas' ability over Pedro Mendes in recent reports. That comes from Casa de Paiva. Shout out to Casa de Paiva. What do you think, Chris? I was actually trying to pull up the numbers real quick, but uh, uh, was, give me yeah, a bit and I'll do that. It does seem like he likes or has liked the Abu Tumash so far in training based on reports. And to be honest, honestly, I never really have read Pedro Mendes that much. I've wanted him to be good, and I've tried to like project onto him the player that I want him to be. But, I mean, I, I mean, he, you know, he never really gets more than like 15 minutes, but – Honestly, like so many of his cameos, like he he literally doesn't even touch the ball. You know, when he comes on, it, it's kind of frustrating. He's had a couple of flashes every now and again, but I I mean I haven't seen that much. I, I don't think he is by any means uh, any sort of lock to even be on the roster next season. He has to play his way onto the team, and there's almost no depth at striker. That's why I think that Thiago Tomas is being given an opportunity, but I don't think he's registered in the league. Is he? Or is he? Because I uh, I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just the, the U23. I mean, in the start of the season, he was still at uh, the U17s. So I'd be yeah. very surprised. So I think that he can only play at, towards like a certain point, like the last month or something. It's kind of like in baseball. They like expand their rosters at the end type of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think that um, I don't think that he's gonna play um, unless something crazy happens. But there really is no strikers other than Pedro Mendes. But it seems like Emmerich has wants to play with two strikers. So yeah. I don't know. Fiatu had flashes playing underneath a striker, but not consistent enough. It'd also be interesting enough to see what happens with uh, Pedro Marx when he comes back. I know he had a decent stint in uh, yeah in, in Holland, but uh, it, it's tough to judge when you're second playing division. second second division exactly. Well, he got he got he got he moved to a first division team, so he he started oh. out with that second division team and then he moved. I, I thought he moved to another second division team that they were closer to promotion. Oh, is that what it was? I thought he moved to like a lower uh, first division team. I'll double check, but here I'll, I'll read off the um, 
the numbers real quick of the two strikers in question. Tiak Tumaj, again, a small sample size, but uh, six games, 313 minutes. I don't know exactly what that is in um, in terms of how many game and uh, like total game time, but six games played, three goals uh, in the Liga Revelacion. And in terms of uh, Pedro Menge, uh, his Liga Revelacion games, 21 games, 15 goals, two assists. And then in terms of first-team football, he has six Europa League games, one goal, of course. Uh, and then four Liga Naj games has yet to score. Uh, Pedro Marx uh, popped up some politician in Europe. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he plays for Den Bosch, which is also second-tier. Second-tier, uh, second yeah. Uh, Dutch team. Um. Yeah. So let me let me ask you something. Go for it. What's the age of Tomas? He's seventeen. Seventeen. And Pedro yeah. Menz is, and, I believe, uh, twenty. Yeah. Twenty. And, uh, Pedro Marx. Pedro Marx. Pedro Pedro Marx is 22. twenty-two. Twenty-two. Okay. Twenty-two. He looks like he looks like a fucking little put, but he he's been around our our uh, academy for quite some time now. So yeah, he's, I mean, okay. twenty-two is not old, so, but. A lot of room for progression for those uh, for those guys. Hundred percent. But when you yeah, so it's up to Hunemurin. Let's see let's see what he does with these players. Don't forget we have Dollar. Yeah, from Rio Ave. Um, He's gone, I think. He's I gone. I was just about to say, uh, seeing the way we're we're selling people. Yeah, I think he's gone too. You think? So? We'll see though. We'll see. I hope not. I, I think he's a great player, but I thought. If any opportunity was good for him to um, to come back to Spartan, it was in January when he was coming back from his loan deal from Turkey. And uh, seeing how he just loaned him off to Riyuav, and I believe he had, I believe he goals. had three goals. Yeah. Three goals and an assist or two yeah. um, in that time. So but, we'll see. But I'm talking about in 2020-21. Of course, of you course. Think I, be I, think he's, I think I don't think so. Uh, no, I, I personally don't think so. I think he would have been given a chance, seeing as especially seeing as we sold Bazdost, of course, right? We, I mean, just bought Sporad, fair enough. But Luis Philippe had just gotten injured. I thought we would at least, you know, not only call up Pedro Minge, but also give him added competition by bringing back Dalla. We didn't. Maybe that's a decision we'll we'll hopefully regret and bring him back the same way. Uh, but I, I I thought the same thing about Pelinga, and it, it looks like he's he's as good as gone. So I'm not holding my breath for that. At least that's me personally. Have you seen the comment from Lauren Jenkins? She said, we, I'm so worried about the teams below us. Still think we'll, think finish, we'll finish seventh. seventh. Do you guys <laughs> think we'll finish seventh? I mean, it's a possibility. We're within five points of seven. Yeah. It's, like we said, three through seven is could finish in any order. Yeah. Was, wasn't that the worst position we ever finished? Seven? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was back in Gooding Lopsh. And do, uh, do, do you know do you know which one it is for Bifika? Which one? Hmm. I don't know. Sixth. Really? Do you know for, for Porto? Porto? Do you know? No. Ninth. Yeah. Ninth. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we had 42 points or 44 <laughs> points when we finished seventh. Seven, yeah. So there's no way we're not going to pick up, like, six more points, like you would think. But mm -hmm. if they don't, they're, they're legends. <laughs> I think I – think, I, 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 I sincerely think the worst will finish is fourth. 
and we I haven't shot a third. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think I don't know. We're that, fourth right now. I mean, that would assume that no one passes us. I don't know. Well, like, if we, if we lose to Gimenez the first game, they're already like breathing down our necks immediately. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think this first game is huge for us. We're the type, the, especially our players. We're the type of players that are weak mentality. If we come out and lose against Gimenez, I see us losing a lot of games. These next, how many games are left? Ten. And so, and what? They're Porto and Benfica. And Porto Braga, and right? Benfica. Uh, no, I think Braga, Braga we played. Braga, Braga yeah, we, we played. Braga. And we Porto lost. Porto and Benfica within the last three games of the season. So there's yeah. not. There's what eight left, nine left, and those are. It's a third of them are those games, and you know. Yeah, and then those two are going to be fighting it off for the title. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really tough. Um, I, my last question, really, before we we ship this off, league winners. It doesn't matter to me. I know it doesn't. You guys can care less. It would be better if none of them won. Uh, I'm with you guys. Uh, but who do you think would win between Porto and Befica? Christian, I'll start it off with you, dude. Who do I think is going to win between, between the, the two? two? Yeah, I think Porto. I, I mean, I think Benfica is going to win. How about you, Steph? Um, I don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can care less about who wins the if it's uh, Benfica or Porto. Um, and, and I sincerely don't know because uh, Benfica and Porto have been. Uh, off uh, for too much, just like sporting, and I don't know who's going to benefit the most because they, everyone is going to be out of rhythm, every single team. Yeah. So, so it's tough to say. I have no clue. I have no clue. Don't know. I think who has I think, more depth? I think, I think sporting will play a big role in uh, the championship because we still play, I believe, Benfica, and we play both. And Port. We play both. Yeah, we yeah. play both. So I the think, last game I think is we'll, Benfica, I believe. I think. Uh, I'll I'll tell you. It is. Is that the uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the twenty sixth of July. It'll be at uh, Deleuze. So, I think we'll play uh, the spoiler. I think I mean, that'd uh, be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Rob it from. I would love the that. Final day. And I like, and I like that. I, I don't I don't give a shit who wins the championship, but okay. I don't want to favor Port or Benfica. I don't. I'm not the kind of person that. But, okay, but, but getting swept aside, getting swept aside on the final day while they celebrate is also something I don't want to be. A don't want to. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Got it. I, I see what you mean. <laughs> but I don't want Sporting to facilitate the game against Porto and to facilitate the game against Benfica just because one or the other is about to be champion. That I don't want. I want to win against Porto. I want to win against Benfica. Every game, actually, but uh, I don't give a shit who wins. Uh, one quick yeah. note: um, one of our players, um, Mauricio Anush, he passed away with. I saw that. Cancer. I'm not too familiar with him, honestly. Yeah, me neither. He was champion for Sporting right. in 1999, 2000. Okay, he's a player from Argentina. So mm-hmm. the coach at the time was Ignacio. Uh, he mm-hmm. died with that age of 43. He died really skinny. Due to cancer, I was just reading not too long cancer. ago. Yeah, stomach cancer. Um, so he, he put up a good fight, but he cancer got him. So, yeah. you know, my condolences to him and his family. Yeah, agreed. Rest in peace, Leon. Um, just wanted to do a quick note that uh, 
our boy all the way in Australia believes uh, Sporting will still be ca- champions. <laughs> I don't know if that's mathematically <laughs> possible, but Forza Caralho. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also with you, Jose. I also want us to beat both of them. I personally think Benfica is going to steal the show, but um, hey, man, I don't care. I'm with you, Steph. Can give two shits. Uh, anyways. No, I don't care. Anyways, a quick shout out to everybody in the comments. Huh? Uh, shout out to Jose George, our, our Australian friend. Shout out to Lauren Jenks, uh, to David Pereira, who supports Braga, but a good friend of the show nonetheless. Um, we also have, I, I forgot to mention in the, in the beginning of the podcast, I'll mention it now and I'll mention it for sure. First thing next podcast, uh, our boy Steph started off a new project, uh, football with no filter. Highly recommend it. Great first podcast. Um, it's between him, a Sportingista, of course, between Bruno, a Portista, and between his boy, George, a Benfiquista, I believe. Right, George, right? Yeah, great, great yeah, show. Yep. Ferengo, you know, two, like, all three uh, very fiery, uh, fiery um, fans of their clubs, of their respective clubs. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a great show, Steph. you want any, any words on that real quick? Uh, real quick, uh, the the show is all about uh, like like we said, no filter, and uh, we'll talk about every everything possible, controversy items. Uh, we we are planning on talking about a pitorado in, in detail, cas uh, cardinal, cas ball in detail. Uh, also, of course, uh, voucher emails, Rui Pinto, porta de cocaína. It's stuff that me. Me and my uh, friend Portista and my friend Befiquista, we all agreed upon. It's controversy stuff that we're not going to run away from those subjects. We will go to the nitty-gritty. We'll, we'll, we'll go into details. We'll talk about the dates of fundações, dos clubs, stuff that fans sometimes talk about, but they don't really want to go into depth because it hurts their feelings. We don't care about that. We'll go into the nitty-gritty. We'll push each other buttons. Uh, that's what our podcast is all about. Once in a while, you'll hear a lot of Portuguese, a lot of curses. Muscafoda, that's the way. Yeah, exactly, You know, that, that's our podcast. It's going to be a completely different, um, um, you know, environment and uh, the context of it. We want it to be as controversial as possible uh, because we've had a lot of uh, Befiquista uh, guests, a lot of uh, a few Portista guests. And every time we touch a little bit of a sensitive issue, people don't tend to run away from it, don't want to talk about it. But I spoke to George, he's a great Benfica, and to Bruno, a great Portista, and they said they agree. We should touch, going into depth and really talk about it. And, uh, you know, and uh, hey, just wait and see and uh, tune in, and uh, we'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook. That's the two social medias we'll use the most. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to love it. Just don't take it personal. Uh, because yeah. it's all about you know having fun. That's that's all it is. It's not. I don't. I respect Benfica and Porto a lot, and uh, all other clubs. I have nothing against them. But sometimes it's good to talk about all the shit that goes on, uh, and how how uh, certain clubs win the championships, uh, not being on the pitch but outside the pitch. So that's it. Exactly. São uns corruptos do caralho esses filhas da puta. Anyways, guys. Number 69 is in and in the books. Another legendary podcast. Guys, thank you all for joining us. Uh, again, shout out to everybody in the comments today. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I speak for all of us. We're really enjoying this app that we're doing. So we're going to definitely be doing these live again. 
Um, I'm, I genuinely miss doing this live. I, I, I did like the Skype for a little bit, but doing this live is another thing. Always interacting with you guys is always better. Um, and yeah, with this app makes it 10 times better. Last thing from, from José, he says, Safo, the important is Sporting. Abraço, José. <laughs> all the best, bro. <laughs> Anyways, boys, thank you all for joining um, us. Um, um, abraço, José. Follow us over on Twitter, Sporting160 underscore EN. Follow us on Instagram. One day we'll touch it again, Sporting160 EN. <laughs> of course, follow us on, on, on YouTube here, Sporting160 EN. Um, and yeah, Viva Sporting. Maybe next time I'll be in a Sporting jersey. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Ciao, boys. Viva Sporting. And maybe next time Jose will come on. Okay.